Hello, and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. We are live on Instagram at Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. Uh, I'd like to welcome the uh, audible.com family to LX2, uh, or welcome us to the Audible family. I don't know how that's working. Um, but I realized that on the last episode, as I was doing promo, that we are now available on audible.com, which is kind of special for me because I have been using Audible for the last 10 years. I am not paid to say that. Um, but for people who know me or certainly my clients, I recommend a lot of books because I read a lot of books. And I do that mostly through Audible um, because I don't have time or the patience or capacity to sit and read a book. So I listen to books usually when I get ready in the morning and definitely when I work out. And so the fact that LX2 uh, Codependency is available as a podcast on there is kind of awesome. I'm very excited about that. Um, so yeah, audible.com, you can get LX2. You can also get us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on iHeartRadio. <laughs> um, we're kind of all over, so that's that's kind of awesome. Um but I wanted to come on because I'd been thinking about some things. Um, the guest that I had uh, staying with me for the last three weeks has gone back to the States and she's back in New Mexico. Um, and I've got another friend coming um, in a couple weeks on the 27th, but I have had to do some pivoting and changing because my visa is about to run out in, um, in Greece. So. Uh, I was hoping to stay 120 days. It turns out I can only stay 90. I talked to um, the uh, authorities in <laughs> in Athens about extending my visa, and they were like, hard pass. Um, and there's there's ways to do it, but to get the documentation is just kind of a challenge. So totally fine. I really enjoyed my time here. Um, I had already made a plan to go to Ireland, which was an extra stop. Um, so I'll just be staying in Ireland a little bit longer, which is exciting because when my friend gets here, then she and I are going to take a trip to Ireland, maybe do a road trip through the countryside, and that's really exciting. Um, so yeah, that's a pivot and a change. I could get really frustrated and overwhelmed by it, or I could just roll with the punches, and so that's what I'm going to do. Um, it was a thought for like a brief second to be like, maybe I'll just come home. And that lasted for a brief second. And then I was like, okay, well, carry on and we'll figure it out. But Ireland for a few months and then on to Italy and then Spain and then we'll see. So it's, it is cool. I'm very excited. Um, and like I said, just pivot and change and, and adapt and overcome. And that's what, that's what we're planning on doing. But um, I did want to come on today because like I said, I've been, um, what usually happens is I process the um, content that I'm writing for the book, as well as like the content that I'm posting on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, um, it's all processing through me. So um, for those of you who don't know, I am writing a book on codependency coaching, both to be a coach, but also just to um, further educate humans on codependency and how that works and what that looks like. Um, and so there's a lot of different sections that I have been working on to kind of write about the, the information and the material. And so um, in the last few weeks, certainly, um, as I got past like the family stuff and the grief stuff, um, 
and last last time we talked about how codependency affects romantic relationships. But one of the things that kept coming, I kept coming back to, and I have talked about it a little bit before, was self love. Um, and so, as I have been talking to kind of friends and colleagues about this, um, it's really such an interesting thing because it's not something that we are um, necessarily trained or, or socialized to do. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. We are generally socialized to uh, care about other people first and care about ourselves secondly, if at all. Um, and so there is a significant difference between self-love and self-care, and I'll kind of break that down a little bit today. But I wanted to talk about some of the things that have been coming up for me, just because, again, I am the instrument through which all of this comes through. <laughs> and um, it it's challenging to think about... Um, the roots of codependency in terms of needing other people to validate and accept us, if not love us. Um, and so that's really hard to do if we're not first loving ourselves, right? And so like I said, social in a socialized way, we're not taught how to love ourselves. Um, you know, we want to raise children, for the most part, who are independent and kind and thoughtful and all of those things. Um, and one of those things that, you know, like I've talked about before is empathy and empathetic towards other people's emotions and other people's needs is something that is innately part of our human experience. And so we are from the go, like kind of taught how to take care of or at least address other people. Um, and so you think about an infant and their social cues, you know, they get from their adult caregivers. Um, they are cooing and communicating and responding to the adults that they're interacting with. Um, but nowhere along that are we teaching them to love themselves, right? Um, and so we say things to them like, you know, you're kind and you're beautiful and you're smart and you're funny. Um, and so they, they tend to like adopt those parts of themselves if they're getting that validation regularly. Um, but they don't necessarily internalize it and feel that from their own being. And so I've been talking with, you know, different colleagues and friends on like, how do we do that? How do we teach that to people? And how do we start from, you know, from a child perspective in terms of having them validate their own worth and value? Um, and so part of that is a sort of like being a human being, it's performative, right? You do a thing, you get a thing. And so when we think about teaching kids like organizational skills or how to put their clothes on or how to clean their room or all of those things, we are validating their behavior with reward or affection or whatever. Um, but we're not really teaching them how to intrinsically want to do that. Um, and some kids are more motivated to do those things, but not all. And so it is a conversation to start to think about how do we teach self-love? A lot of times, and certainly, like I said, socially, we are taught that that, ex that validation comes externally. Um, and I've talked a lot about like social media and having um, the experience of seeking out our validation from other people. So when we're raised in you know, a home with adult caregivers, <laughs> um, either parents or aunts and uncles or grandparents or whatever it is, um, you know, we do certain things and then we get a, a emotional and physical response from them. Uh, and so there's that uh, give and take kind of dynamic. Um, 
at a certain point though, it does become an internal motivator to want to do those things, not necessarily just for other people, but for ourselves. And so the thing that comes to mind for me is like getting a kid to do their homework, right? Um, no kid wants to do homework. They don't, they're internally motivated to do that. Um, and teachers have a tremendous job to be able to uh, teach information and then get kids to internally want to do that for themselves, not necessarily for the teacher or, you know, their parents or whatever. Um, but that is certainly a struggle, I can imagine, to teach kids that learning is fun just because it is, and then they could feel value and worth because of the things that they know. Um, and so I think about that in terms of that's an opportunity to teach a kid how to love themselves, but how do we do that? Right. Um, and, and I, it's a challenge for people in general, raising little people, um, to get them to internally feel valued and worthy on their own. But if we can start to do it from when they're itty bitty, like that would be super helpful so that when they get to being adults, uh, they're not exclusively looking for internal motivation to do those things. Um, and like I said at the beginning, there is a difference between self-love and self-care. Um, you know, there's this huge movement on social media and just in general for like self-care and, you know, I don't know, that could mean a lot of things from like going to the spa or having a drink or hanging out at a hot tub. <laughs> Um, but self-love is a very different thing. And it really does start with like how we talk to ourselves and, and those messages that we're getting. And so it's, it's a developmental goal to want to raise tiny humans to feel valuable and worthy just for existing. Um, it's also a challenge as parents to be able to do that because we're responsible for so much more than just their tiny little egos we're responsible for their care, physical, mental, emotional, their general needs. And so that makes it super difficult because we are trying to balance all those things while we are also trying to do that for ourselves. And I, I recognize the struggle and challenge um, because it's, it's been a struggle and challenge for me as a parent um, and certainly as a professional working with clients to teach that skill of having them even just start with how they talk to themselves, right? And so um, it is one of the things that I work with clients a lot to kind of change their internal dialogue from being hypercritical or, you know, we talk about the um, your anxiety as being the asshole in your head, right? Usually it is cultivated from a series of voices, not in a schizophrenia kind of way, but in a, you know, we kind of catalog the things other people have said to us. And then we kind of use that on ourselves. Um, I, from my, you know, I can speak from my experience that I am very, and have been very critical of myself in the past um, for a lot of different reasons, but I do a much better job of rather than going to that super hypercritical voice, now trying to look at, you know, all the different parts of myself with compassion and patience. Um, I posted something maybe yesterday on, you know, the patience and the compassion that we give to other people, it would be helpful if we started to give those things to ourselves. One of the ways that I have really started to internalize and change that for myself is um, kind of looking at the ways that I have talked to people that I really care about um, and how I take care of other people. 
And so I take care of other people in a lot of ways. Um, and certainly the people that I'm close to and that I love, you know, I'm checking in with them. I'm asking how their day was. If I'm physically present, you know, I'm like, hey, do you want some food? Do you need some water? Um, you know, I spend time with them. I am sending, you know, text messages and, and really making sure that they feel seen and heard and validated by me. And I'm really good at that. Like, that's one of the ways that I love. And, um, you know, I've talked about before on the podcast, really just genuinely coming from a place of who I am is being caring and compassionate. Anybody who's been my client, there is no doubt or question that I have cared about them because they feel it, right? And so what I want to teach them is how to do that for themselves. What I know to be true is for myself. Um, if I'm giving it to all these other people, what I'm not doing is giving it to me. And so I've started to change even the way that I address myself. So um, for those of you who don't know, I've been journaling every day, which is kind of the longest that I've ever journaled in my life. Um, I have several journals kind of uh, strewn about my saved items uh, that have been like half started and not fulfilled. Um, but one of the things that I wrote recently was, you know, some of the terms of endearment that I use for other people, I want to start addressing myself in that way. Um, and that sounds a little crazy because, <laughs> uh, like, I'm talking to myself out loud and I'm not. Well, sometimes I am. But um, I have decided to refer to myself as my love. Um, and so it's funny because it, um, Valentine's Day of this year, I woke up with this kind of epiphany that I am the love of my life. And that was really interesting. And so I shared it with a few people and they were like, that's kind of cool. Um, I have also recognized that my soulmates are my best girlfriends. Um, some of them I'm related to, like my sister and my cousin. Uh, but really recognizing that we have looked at externalizing these concepts and trying to get them from other people. Therefore, we are doing all these extra things to get them, right? And so when we think about the roots of codependency, we are considering that we are doing all these extra things for love or validation or acceptance. And if we're not doing them to take care of ourselves, then we're kind of spinning our wheels because we have this expectation that other people will be able to kind of fill in those needs and gaps that maybe we didn't get when we were growing up. And the reality is that people are struggling just to take care of themselves in that way. So they aren't necessarily even in a place to validate or love you in that way. Um, and so there you are, like, doing acrobatics and gymnastics, trying to get somebody else to see you, validate and love you, and you're not giving that to yourself. What I also know to be true is if someone else is trying to get that, you know, validation from you and you're not giving it to yourself and then you can't give it to them, like, it's a whole mess of, like, not getting your needs met. Um, and so I have really started to consider that all of that extra, you know, love and affection and, and kindness and compassion and patience that I will continue to give to other people, because like I said, it's who I am, I am starting to give that to myself first. Um, and so <laughs> first thing to do is when we wake up in the morning, it's like, all right, my love, what do we need? Um, and so really referring to myself in that kind and compassionate, loving way um, and it is making a difference, right? So usually I can be hypercritical of myself. Um, I have been known to call myself, you know, kind of shitty names, and that's not helpful. Um, 
but really thinking about like how do you refer to people that you love what are terms of endearment that you use when you are referring to someone you really care about um you know i can say for my daughter i i call her my baby or my sweet girl or whatever she does not like to be infantilized so lady is what she prefers or woman because she is a grown-up um but again i i you know speak to her in that way and hopefully to change the shitty voice that I have implanted in her head when I was hypercritical and, you know, trying to get her to be successful, which she is. Um, but changing that dynamic and how we speak to other people, I think that when we're coming from a place of genuine love, compassion, and care, it is an opportunity for us to then give that to ourselves first and then to another person. It is kind of the root and foundation of switching from that codependent perspective so that you are taking care of your own needs and yourself before you put the pressure on someone else to, to do that for you. Um, and I recognize that like not everyone has the capacity to do that. Um, sometimes people are dealing with their own struggles and challenges. They don't really have it to give to you. And there you are just kind of, please love me too. Um, and that's really difficult and, and challenging for them. So I do want to highlight the difference between self-love and self-care in that way, recognizing that self-love is something that is constant and it is a practice to work on every day. Um, self-care is as well, but you know, it's, it's the difference between um, our internal work and kind of healing those parts of ourselves that we did not get uh, when we were growing up because you know, we're, we're working on survival um, and a lot of times people don't even recognize that they are codependent. So again, to, to define codependency as seeking out external validation from other people, seeking out acceptance, um, and all of those things that we do to get those things from those external perspectives, it's important to recognize that oftentimes that can create resentment. And so in the last podcast, I did talk about certainly in romantic relationships, but it can be in any relationship, you know, parent, child, coworkers, all of those things. We're doing all these extra things to try to get that validation. And when we do that, what we are coming from is a place of scarcity or lack. Um, and so from the self-love perspective, really recognizing that if you wake up feeling worthy, valuable, accepted, all of those things, and, it, and I'm not saying that like everybody has to wake up feeling that way, but if you start from a neutral place, let's say you start from zero, um, you can either go up or down depending on how you're feeling. And so if you're starting to, even just with love and compassion, rather than being like, fuck another day, you know, recognizing, hey, I get another opportunity to, to do this better or right. Um, or I did the things yesterday really good and well. Um, often my clients, well, always actually, when I have a client in the office and they were used to coming for a while, they knew that the first question I would ask is what's good, right? And so it really helped to set the tone for having them shift their perspective from looking at everything that is wrong to looking at least two or three things that are going well. And so if you start the morning from that self-love, what do I need my love perspective, then that actually shifts you know, how you're going to take care of you because you're taking care of someone that you care about. You're taking care of yourself from that place of acceptance, patience, compassion, and love. 
um, I talked about forgiveness in one of the other podcasts. And so really recognizing that, you know, in order to get forgiveness, you have to start with patience and compassion. Um, and so we can't cut ourselves off. That's not helpful. Um, but if we're going to wake up in the same body every morning, (laughs) what are things that we can do to love ourselves and then take care of ourselves? So one of the ways that I was kind of looking at that is, so self-care is taking care of your needs, right? So physically, emotionally, mentally, um, you know, if you're eating good food, if you're moving your body around, if you are having, you know, positive interactions with other people, that's a form of self-care, coming from a place of self-love. So there is a difference. Um, And, you know, yes, I love, you know, the idea of like getting in a hot tub and having a glass of wine or having a good snack or whatever. Um, That's self-care. So it's something you can do. It's a physical activity versus self-love, which is an internal thought process. It's a shift in perspective or paradigm in terms of how you see yourself. And so you'll start to really pay attention to what it is that you're saying to yourself, how it is that you are addressing your needs, not just physical, but mental and emotional, right? And so oftentimes if we are, I'm a very sensitive person, Um, I'm a Pisces, I have a lot of feelings and I express them often (laughs) Um, and I run through them very quickly. Um, but rather than being critical of myself being super sensitive, I recognize that I have big feelings and I'm going to have them regularly. Um, certainly we've had evidence of that on the podcast when I get emotional. Um, but rather than being critical of that part of myself, because I've often been told that I'm too sensitive or I'm too much, or I have big feelings, um, really recognizing that's a gift and, rather than being critical of it, having compassion and patience for the fact that I'm going to have a hard time and then I'm going to get through it. So like I mentioned earlier today, I was a little bit stressed out and uh, kind of freaked because I had to shift and pivot from the four-month plan I had in Greece to a three-month plan and then making another plan to go to another country. Um, And I could have gotten really critical on myself and been like, you're so dumb. Why didn't you look at this stuff before? And I did. I just didn't do the deep dive into it. Um, So I could have been really critical. I could have, you know, started with the negative um, feedback of like, I'm so dumb and I never do anything right and whatever it is that I've said to myself a million times. But this time I was just like, all right, my love, we shift. We change, we figure it out. You are good at life. What are your facts? Um, I tell clients often to like check their facts to make sure that they are seeing things from a reality-based perspective rather than catastrophizing whatever your anxiety is saying. Because oftentimes our anxiety can get overwhelming and it lies to us. And you know, like I've posted before, anxiety is just thoughts. Thoughts have no power. You actually have the power to change things. Um, maybe not overnight and maybe not immediately, but you can actually work to shift the thought to a more neutral place. And so when you do that, it's a lot easier to solve a problem because you're not coming from a panic perspective. And so the self-care thing would be like, okay, let's get online. Let's look at what are alternatives. You know, how do I find a flight from here to Ireland? Um, You know, where am I going to stay? I recognize that I have a pretty significant breadth of knowledge in terms of how to travel and what to do. I need to make a couple phone calls. That's the care piece, right? 
recognizing that the care is an action. Self-care is being able to do things to take care of yourself. And sometimes that self-care is like, I also needed to let my girlfriend know, hey, we're going to shift. And she was awesome, jumped right in and was like, yeah, I love Ireland. I love that idea. Let's see, maybe I can stay longer or do whatever. Um, and so that was super helpful because she didn't get all crazy and bajiggity about it. She was just like, okay, well, what do we need to do? How does that shift thing? She's like, I've got to kind of pivot and change my plans, look at different clothes, look at different things. You know, and I was like road trip through Ireland and she was like, fuck yeah. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> you know, it's, that is the care part of it. The love part of it, self-love part is having compassion for myself and going, all right, well, that was uh, not the best idea. And yet here we are. So we're just going to shift a little bit and figure out, you know, what I need to do for myself, again, from a place of love and compassion, rather than a place of being really critical or frustrated or overwhelmed, which I have been in the past. Um, and so again, shifting that language even to like, all right, my love, what are we doing? Um, and I, I've really kind of loved that, right? Like really recognize that all of that love and compassion and patience that I have given to all of these other humans, which I will continue to do, I'm going to give to me first. And when you start to do that, then you don't have this lack, this emptiness inside yourself that you're seeking it out from other people. You're actually able to come already balanced out with it. And so you're not so overwhelming or overwhelmed at the needs of other humans when you have the opportunity to interact with them. And so I really am encouraging people to recognize what are you giving to other people and how can you start to give that same patience, compassion, love, acknowledgement, all of those things to you first. It is not something that organically happens. I wish it did, like that would be awesome. Um, and you can see little kids that they have it and they just like, they think that they're awesome and they are, um, sticky and smell weird, but they're, they're awesome in their way. <laughs> um, and we don't want to take that from them, right? We want them to really just live in the space where they think they're pretty great. Um, it's not until they interact with other humans that then they start to question that. Um, and so it's our job as adults, um, and certainly stewards of, you know, young people to be able to be like, you can be weird and be okay, or you can be, you know, fantastic and be okay. You're actually pretty great. Um, and so validating that for them will start to increase their ability to love themselves and to maintain that. Unfortunately, we can't protect them in a world where other humans exist and other humans aren't getting that message. So it's really our responsibility to give it to ourselves first to then give it to other people. Um, and as we do that, then we are going to actually raise a kinder, gentler, um, kind of sweeter generation of humans. Uh, that being said, <laughs> maybe not as sensitive. Uh, they're kind of sensitive. Um, but it is something that I'm working on. And I recognize that I am super sensitive. Um, maybe not in a Gen Z kind of way, but in a way <laughs> that I'm just processing a lot of emotions. Um, I do recognize that having self-love definitely isn't the only thing to combat codependency, but it's a good place to start because when you start to recognize that you are 
the gatekeeper for your tender sweetheart, um, then you're going to work a little bit harder to protect it. That being said, rather than what I have done was build a giant wall around it and was like, nobody's getting in here. Um, really having better boundaries to protect your peace and um, boundaries is something that will come up later and and certainly I'm, I'm working on writing about that stuff but one of the the pieces of self-love and really recognizing that i am the steward of my own heart um made me want to protect it in a better way so really thinking about not allowing certain behavior um, or not settling for certain things and not getting my needs met, right? And so I talked about that in the last podcast, certainly about um, romantic relationships, is recognizing that we tend to settle or cut, cut off parts of ourselves or not get our needs met when we are coming from that I have to do these extra things for love perspective. And so one of the, the ways to think about it is... Um, an extreme example um, is that someone who is maybe in a, a domestic violence or abusive relationship uh, will probably tolerate a lot of behavior until they have a child. And once that child is born, then they're more motivated to uh, maybe not tolerate that anymore um, because we have to protect the small child, right? Um, but if we were to start to think about ourselves first and recognize I am a human being with a tender sweetheart and I need to protect myself, then those boundaries become a lot easier to enforce, recognizing that I am the one who has to protect myself. If I am seeking love and validation from that other person and I'm not getting it, and I have to monitor what I say and I have to maybe not, you know, in really participate in any kind of conflict or, you know, not say the wrong thing or whatever, um, I'm going to be willing to take care of myself, recognizing that this person is not capable of loving me in the space that I'm in, right? And so when you start to look at it that way, then it's like, okay, what do I deserve? Well, I deserve compassion. I deserve patience. I deserve kindness. I deserve, you know, cuddles in the morning. Uh, (laughs) I really want them. I'm by myself, so that's not as easy to do. But you know, those are things to think about. And then I'm not going to settle for less than that, right? I'm going to seek out somebody who meets that energy, who actually can consistently bring that. And I'm not going to settle for less than that. So my boundaries are going to look like, you know, if you're kind of shitty to me or, you know, not helpful, one, because I am compassionate and patient, I am probably likely to have a conversation with you. Um, to kind of see what's going on and, and where you're coming from. If I recognize that it's a pattern of behavior, um, I'm going to be less likely to tolerate that. Um, if we are giving it to ourselves and we start not from a deprivation or lack of it, but an abundance of it, it's a lot easier to then accept and receive it from other people. And that is another challenge, right? So that when we aren't, when we're coming from a place of lack, anytime we have a negative, you know, balance on that. We're seeking it from other people. We want them to give it to us. We want to be able to to get it and we're going to do whatever we need to do to increase that balance, right? And and really thinking about it in terms of your worth and value. If you're coming from a deficit and you're wanting somebody else to give that to you, 
that's going to be really hard to do because you're, you, you're running out of it very quickly. And so thinking of your love as a resource, um, really recognizing if I'm giving it to myself, one, it's a lot easier to generate. Two, I'm coming into a separate, uh, into a situation or relationship where I'm not lacking, right? And so then you're not, you're not going to do extra things to get it from another person. Um, and so that's, it's the way that I started to kind of internalize and process how this self-love piece is so significant to being able to be in a relationship in a healthy way, any kind of relationship, not just a romantic relationship, but any kind of partnership. If I'm coming from a place of already having self-love and feeling valuable and worthy, then I'm coming into something so that we are at an even playing field. And that's going to be true. If the other person is not giving it to themselves, they're going to have a harder time receiving it. Um, and so you could be giving all the great love to them. If they can't receive it or they're coming from a lack, you're just feeling an empty hole. I really think about it as like, you know, you're digging in sand and sand is like, you just keep digging and it's just not filling up. Um, and so that, that makes it challenging. And so in summation, <laughs> self-love is super important, uh, different than self-care, though self-care is a piece of it, um, and recognizing, like, how are you talking to yourself? How are you treating you, right? And if you are struggling to get to that place, it's important to really evaluate what it is you're doing and how you feel about you. Because the likelihood is that it's your anxiety, right? It's just thoughts. And your thoughts are telling you all kinds of terrible things. We all have an asshole in our head. Uh, some of us have more than one. Uh, some of us have a whole team. But really fact-checking it through and recognizing your value and your worth, not just for the things that you do for other people, but just for the person that you are walking around on the planet. You take up space. You breathe air. You are, for the most part, most humans are actually really good. And it's not a philosophical conversation. We can get into that another time. <laughs> but really recognizing, you know, checking your facts, checking through to who you are. If you are giving yourself that love and compassion first, then you will have the ability to go about interactions with human beings feeling valuable and worthy so that you're not having to, you know, tolerate shitty behavior or unhelpful things to be able to stay in relationship. You don't go into a situation at a lack, but you come in at an even playing field. And so that's your nugget for today. Um, apparently we're going to Ireland, which is very exciting. I'm in Athens until the end of October, Ireland for three months, then Italy, we'll see, just moving around the world. Um, I hope you guys are having a great day. I'm going to end the video and then I will end the podcast. Take care. All right, so I just wanted to wrap up on LX2, Codependency Coaching. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, if you want to uh, maybe provide questions or request information, it's lx2.cod.coach at gmail, uh, luna underscore x2 underscore LLC at Instagram, and uh, appreciate you for listening. Have a good day.